Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja Podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some training, wisdom, and inspiration from the masters. Let Ryan Guth guide your journey to becoming a Choir Ninja. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and today I'm excited to have Sonder Choi with me for episode 118. Just so you know, the show notes for this episode, links that are mentioned, and other relevant points uh, will be at choir.ninja forward slash 118 for episode 118. Want to mention a couple things. We have two sponsors for this episode. The first one is sightreadingfactory.com. SightReadingFactory.com is a tool that many of our guests use every single day in their choral classroom. It helps generate custom sight reading examples using an algorithm and specifications that you choose. The promo code for SightReadingFactory.com is NINJA, and with that code, you will receive 10 free student accounts. Also, we should give a second shout-out to our sponsor, John and Robin Rose of MyMusicFolders.com. MyMusicFolders.com is one-stop shopping for all of your choir folder or band or orchestra folder needs. And with the promo code NINJA, at, at checkout, you can receive last column pricing, which is the pricing that is reserved for orders of over 100. So even if you're buying one, five, 17, or 50 folders, you will receive last column pricing with the promo code NINJA at checkout. So thank you to SightReadingFactory.com and John and Robin Rose of MyMusicFolders.com. All right, Sonder, Choir Nation is ready to hear from you. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. It's it's great to be here. Well, Sonder, you and I met uh, just recently, actually, at Chorus America, and maybe we've mm-hmm. kind of heard each other's names floating about in the choral world, but the, actually, the first time we met was, was just about a week ago uh, at the Cor- Chorus America conference at the Cocktail Hour opening night, and I was like, this is a guy that needs to be on the show, and specifically because uh-huh. you're a composer, an American composer, but you're from the Philippines, so you're a Philippine-American composer. Would that be the right way to say it? Yeah, I, I always say Los Angeles-based Filipino composer in my bio just because I'm I'm not really a citizen. I'm not really a U.S. citizen, so mm-hmm. I don't feel too comfortable calling myself American. Gotcha, gotcha. So Maybe, maybe not yet. Okay, well, we, we hope that one day you can call yourself American, a Filipino-American. So, yeah. so Sonder, I want to back up all the way back to the Philippines and learn a little bit about you know, your heritage where you grew up and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you give me sort of the Reader's Digest version of your your experience growing up? Yeah. Um, so I actually grew up in a Chinese family. Um, I'm third generation Chinese, born and raised in Manila. Uh, my parents also grew up in Manila and my grandparents also grew up in Manila. So I identify very much with being Filipino, but I was raised in a Chinese household. So I carry those cultures and traditions with me every time. And I carry a mixture of cultures and traditions with me all the time. And now, of course, I'm based in the U.S. 
Um, I started singing when I was seven. Um, started learning composition when I was twelve. Yeah, I think I th- I think I wrote my first song in sixth grade or something like that, and um, started composition lessons. Um, I was singing in choir since I was in fifth fifth or fourth grade, I think. And when I got to high school, then I started composing and arranging for the choir. And that's how I got into composition. Um, right after high school, my parents didn't want me to study music. So I went into a communications degree. Okay. But at the same time, um, I was teaching a choir. My high school had an annex campus, another, another location. And their choir director had just retired. And when I graduated from high school, they hired me to do that. And at the same time, I also joined the Philippine Madrigal Singers, which is probably the most influential part of my early choral life. Because I sang with them for five years and went on several tours. And the the Philippine Madrigal, if you know something about Philippine choral culture... A lot of Filipino choirs compete in international competitions. Yes, I see that all over YouTube, and I feel like I know yeah. the Philippine Madrigal Choir because of YouTube. Yeah, they're they're the they're what makes them special is they perform conductorless and they're seated down, and uh, it wouldn't be wrong to say that they're the Philippine Madrigal Singers has been the biggest influence in the choral culture in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of... The, they've been in existence since 1960. Um, 1963, sorry. 1963. And a lot of the... A lot of the alumni of the Philippine Madrigal Singers have gone on to become choral educators, choir conductors, or forming a very big network of conductors and singers and choirs in the Philippines. That ultimately, you know, influenced the the movement, and a lot of the composers um, also shaped the literature, Philippine chor- choral literature. Uh, so that's the the early part of my life. Then, in two thousand and twelve, I moved to Boston to pursue my undergraduate degree in composition at Berklee College of Music. Um, and then two years after, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue my master's degree in at, at USC with with uh, Dr. Lordson. I did not study with Dr. Lordson actually. I studied with Donald Crockett for a semester, and then the rest of my studies there, I studied with Ted Hearn. Oh, okay, okay, and I'm assuming you probably then overlapped with Dale Trumbor too, right? I did not actually. Dale graduated way before I entered. I'm not sure. I'm not too sure when Dale graduated. Okay. Um, it might have been right when I moved to the U.S. or before I moved to the U.S. Well, that's a great segue because I know that sort of just just forward to current events, you and Dale both have a piece coming up on a choral arts initiative concert. So you have a premiere. Yes, yes. So Choral Arts Initiative is this fantastic choir from Orange County. They perform exclusively living composers um, and commission a lot of composers. And for their fifth anniversary, 
they are having a concert on July 16th in Newport Beach at St. Mark Presbyterian Church, um, where they will be premiering five new works by five composers based in Southern California. Um, Myself, of course, Dale Trumbor, Jeffrey Darris, who also sings in Choral Arts Initiative, Luke Flynn, and David Montoya. Okay, so these are all Southern Californian composers. Yes. Okay. Now, now we can go back for a second. You said you had moved to Boston, you went to Berkeley, you moved to USC, and and you did your your composition uh, master's degree there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look pretty young, so I'm assuming I'm assuming that you finished not not too long ago. Yes, I finished last year. I finished my master's degree last year. Okay. Um, but but before studying music, I also had a com- uh, a communications degree back in the Philippines. Gotcha. Okay. So, so do you feel as though that communications degree? I mean, appeasing. It sounds like appeasing your parents, right? And we should talk about yeah. a little bit about what that means, because I mean, I'm. I, I taught in New Jersey for a decade, and many of my students were Chinese, and many of my students' parents would not let them go near a music degree. Um, you know, they. What? Why culturally do you feel that is a that's a thing? I feel like a lot of parents are concerned about musicians because it, you know, compared to like working in a business or something. It, they feel that you don't really earn a lot of a lot of money making music, and that is certainly true in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just there's just a very low regard for paid music in the Philippines. Like music is always a passion. You excel because you're talented and you're skilled, um, but people are not willing to pay you for it. So it's not viewed as a business. Sure. Um, when in reality, music is a business, you know? Musicians are people who need to earn money from what they do, mm-hmm. just like everyone else. And I think, like, for the most part, our, our cult, uh, the Filipino-Chinese culture doesn't view it that, that way. Like, music is viewed as entertainment, and of course, my family ran their own business, um, and they always want me and my brother to take over it. Okay. Um, which was it was a very hard transition for them to watch me leave the country and you know pursue a degree in music. And so, did your brother end up taking over the business? Yes. Oh, he did. <laughs> okay. Well, what is it that they did? Uh, they're food distributors. So. Um, and we would import and distribute food to different uh, restaurants and and um, supermarkets, like Im- imported stuff that's not manufactured in the Philippines. So there is no passion there for you and imported food. <laughs> well, I I love food. You know, I love to cook, um, but. I feel like I love music more, and mm-hmm. I I certainly excel in music more. So and no re- so, no regret at all then then not taking over the family business. Yeah, I think I would be very unhappy when when I do that because there's really no 
like it would be a, a big wall mm-hmm. stopping my progress if I continued to to live there as a musician. So how do your folks feel now that, that they've lived through Boston, they've lived through L.A.? What do you, how do they feel about it? Um, my mom's okay with it, but I think my, like, my dad is pretending to be okay with it, I feel. Like, there's still some part of him that wishes that I would, you know, go back home and mm-hmm. work with them. But working in a family business, I don't know, it's just, it's just a toxic environment for me. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up, watching my mom and dad work together, watching them bring... Uh, workspace related arguments back home sure was was difficult and made me very uninterested to participate in something like that mm-hmm. yeah well i'm glad that it worked out the way it did cuz you you know you're writing beautiful music thank you you're here in the us what are your what are your future plans what what do you what do you see as far as a goal is concerned at this point? I mean, where where are you now, I should say? Where are you now as far as, as you know, getting towards your goal, and where do you want to be? Well, the goal, I think the goal for me in, in composing, the goal is really to become a full-time composer, but recently I've been wanting to be, you know, a composer that has a that has like a purpose um, and the purpose really is cultural exchange and telling telling stories f- that people might not usually hear about like stories about the Philippines or stories about life elsewhere um, stories of immigrants which is what my piece for Choral Arts Initiative is about it's about immigrants and immigration um, which I feel like more and more people are talking about that now in the choral art form. And I'm very happy about that. More and more people are uh, composing pieces about social justice and pieces that are not, you know, settings of poetry by dead white guys. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm very happy with that. You know, was, was there a particular moment in time that you can recall where where you decided that this may be more of your mission this this particular you know the cultural exchange that sort of initiative was there a certain time and place where you were like yeah this is actually what i should be doing yeah well so when i was singing with the philippine madrigal singers we would always go to different countries whenever we went on tour and we went on tour a lot Whenever we would go to another country, we, we would bring our, our Philippine folk songs to them and we would bring our traditional music to them um, and we would sing folk songs from their country. But at one point I realized that, that the choral music should go past folk music and should sort of evolve and tell stories of living people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly true when I moved here to the U.S. So when I moved to Boston, I am still very much into, you know, arranging folk music from our country um, and sort of sharing 
my culture in that way. Uh, and then about in 2013, I think, yeah, I was commissioned by the Andrea Veneracion International Choral Festival to write a competition piece. Now, this is an international choral competition based in Manila, organized by the Philippine Madrigal Singers. And I got to thinking that people re really did not set, you know, all they said are folk texts, but they never really set poetry from the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, so I started setting Philippine poetry. And of course, when I moved to California, that's when the whole election season began and living amongst immigrants, I started to realize my status here in the U.S., and started seeing that no no one's really talking about our story as people who migrated here. Like everyone thinks that immigrants come to the U.S. because it's it's fun, but no one really wants to move out of their country because they don't if they don't need to you know no one wants to be away from family mm -hmm. we are all here because we need to be here and because our industry the industry that we're in thrives more here sure and so that 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 with that realization together with the current political landscape where people are being denied entry here um that really spoke to me and that really affected me like the travel ban, I think, is one of the biggest things that affected me because, I mean, the Philippines has has some Muslim population. Mm -hmm. It's a mainly a Catholic country, but it it has a Muslim population. So, it, I think, I think that progression of events made me more and more interested. And of course, you know, my composition teacher Ted Hearn composes a lot of music that is socially and politically relevant sure i would say so i want to ask you a question yeah. about your expectations versus the reality so you probably learned a little bit about the u.s you know when you were in the philippines i mean u.s culture is pretty i think a, a pretty big deal even outside of the U.S., it seems like a lot yeah. of people, you know, follow our yeah. models and stuff. So you obviously had some expectations in your mind before moving to the U.S. So what I want to ask you then is, did the reality of moving here live up to your expectations? Did it meet, exceed, or was it lower than your expectations? And that's where we're going to end today's podcast. We will see you on Friday for part two with Sonder Choi. Now, of course, I want to make sure that we say once again, thank you to mymusicfolders.com and also sightreadingfactory.com and extend an invitation to all members of Choir Nation to go ahead and join the Choir Nation Facebook group, which is um, just, you could search it on Facebook. Uh, just search Choir Nation and you'll find the group. It has about 1,600 members uh, at, this, at the time of this recording. And, uh, or if you want to go straight to the URL, you could do facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Choir Nation. So Choir Nation, thank you so much for being with me today for episode 118. 
And we will see you on Friday for part two with Sonder Choi. Quiet Ninja Show. Bang, bang.